Oh, great stuff, great stuff. Uh, I didn't know they were going to use that segment of me at the end. Thank you, Gerald, for putting that in there. Fantastic. I mean, who can do a parody better than Jonathan Tony? Except so now this quarantine is going to be stuck in my head all day. It's all I can think about singing right now. It's amazing. So. Well, welcome to Ocean City Church and the live stream yeah. here with the OG Dan McFerrin <laughs> once again right here at 10 o'clock. Man, it has been, uh, it's been a good week, really, I think. In some yeah, things. things seem to be kind of taking the turn as far as getting back into the world. It feels that way. You never, you just can't, you just, no one can really know. <laughs> you, <laughs> you just can't, can't know. tell. It's just a waiting game. It's just a waiting game. Um, I got to ask you, there was a question in the trivia about um, Pop Warner football yeah. and Ryan Seacrest. Yeah. So you played Pop Warner football with Ryan Seacrest? Yeah, so the Ryan Seacrest connection, I guess, is out of the bag now. But yes, I played Pop Warner football. Do y'all chat on Facebook and with, stuff? Uh, well, I've been trying to get in touch with them for years now. So <laughs> Yeah, I bet. I'm like, you He's know. got a few dollars. You know, <laughs> he to Try to get some contributions to OCC. So we had a lot more mutual friends than he and I actually being friends. So, right. you know, it's one of the, it feels like kind of a uh, connection once removed, maybe. So yeah. we didn't go to the same high school but I actually did take a class at his high school so and was in class with him there so Man, that yeah. is a name drop of name drops right there that's amazing I love he that was one. actually a pretty good football player believe it or not yeah so, yeah he's good at a lot of things yeah I mean be you love him or hate him Ryan Seacrest that dude he can get it done right he's, he's pretty amazing he's always been that like had his world together and he was a radio DJ in high school at a really big um, station in Atlanta, so we knew from early on Ryan yeah. was destined for great things. Yeah. Ryan, if you're out there, give me a call. <laughs> Come on, Ryan. Get me up, man. Come on, Let's Ryan. Let's talk. We need you. Um, he would do pretty good at this, I would think, in this I type would think, of situation. Yeah. Everything I learned, I learned from uh. Ryan Seacrest. <laughs> <laughs> That's really good. I like that. Um, uh, good news, the beaches are open. Yeah. I mean, you still got to be walking and moving and shaking. Yeah, and keep, it, keep it moving, but and then tomorrow... We're extending the hours, so we'll be going from 6 a.m. to 8 p.m. I'll be out there all day. I love that Florida, you know, people people like, you know, make fun of Florida. And we choose May 4th, May the 4th, be with you, yes. right before Cinco de Mayo to open up the beaches. And do you know, I mean, we're going to be, it's CNN, everybody's going to just have these amazing shots of people. You know, they probably won't be holding, corona. I guess, it's, does people hold Coronas anymore at Cinco de Mayo? I, might, that would be corona an stock, interesting, you know, yeah. They got to run with their Corona because they can't sit still in a beach chair. <laughs> Uh, Hopefully the Corona people will stay at home and not yes, go to the beach. That's but, true. Yeah. 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 Mm, yeah. I wonder how many laughs that one got. <laughs> I don't know. Can we get a laugh track going? It feels that's like right. we're just being we're just dying here. funny goofy today. We're seven weeks, eight weeks into this. Was it seven weeks? Yeah. I mean it's like yeah. we're it is like Groundhog Day. Yeah. I mean it's like every day. What day is it? My kids actually have asked that as a legitimate question. <laughs> getting up in the morning. Your kids ask that too. Uh, uh, like hey, what day is it? That's I don't you know, it's Wednesday, guys. Yeah, I told somebody this week that I can meet tomorrow or Wednesday. And it was actually Tuesday already. So <laughs> I then had to send it like I really knew what I was talking about the first time. I just kind of misspoke, but I didn't even know what day it was. Yeah, so. yeah, it happens. Well, what's going on? Uh, we got some some stuff. Some so yeah, for, first off, if if you're new to Ocean City Church, we're so excited that you have joined us here on the live stream. And you know, what better way to jump into church than just to be able to sit on your couch or wherever you are and yeah. say, Hey, I'm going to talk go about to easing into. I'm going to go to Ocean City Church today. Just right. show up on the live stream, or maybe you stumbled on it. Uh, you're just YouTube and cat videos this morning, and you found us. So, um, welcome. Um, you know, we are, we believe that the church is so much more than just. 
the building that we're sitting in, that, that, that God is calling us to something special and unique, especially during this season. And so we, we exist to invite anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace that's found only in Jesus. And that's what we believe as a church. And that doesn't mean in a building on Sunday. That means um, every day of our lives what God has called us to. And so um, if you're new, there's a place you can go to on our website, oceancitychurch.org. Um, there's a new here button. You, if you click that, fill out a connect card, um, virtual connect card. We'll have somebody that will follow up with you and help you to get connected with us if that's what you want to do. We have city groups that are going on meeting virtually right now. We have OCC students is, uh, still meeting regularly. And um, this coming week, we, we want to do something that's um, uh, that's a little bit different than what we've done a week. So we're posting the questions on Sunday um, for the city groups to do together. Um, and then we've had some other resources that we've been pumping out during the week. But this week, we want to do something collectively as an OCC community together on Wednesdays. And so Wednesday afternoon, we're going to post um, some devotion materials for you to do as a family together so that really the whole OCC community will come together um, on Wednesday and you'll do it with, with your family. Um, but materials that follows along in Acts, what we've been talking about on Sundays and what Derek has been um, preaching on. And so that will be available Wednesday afternoon. You'll see that on our website. We would love for you to join us as a family or whatever group that you have together um, to be able to do those materials together. So Wednesday evening sit down for dinner. We still have OCC students that night, so if you have students in your household, they'll still meet, I think, at 7 o'clock. They're mm -hmm. doing a, um, a Zoom call, So, um, but we'd love, we'd love to do that as a family this week. And then um, lastly, just want to um, thank everybody out there for giving, um, especially um, giving to the um, fellowship fund that we've um, been able to help some people during this difficult time. We, and if you're a person that's in need, there's a real easy way on our website to um, fill out an application. Um, if you're in need of financial um, support or help from the church, we have a process for yeah. that. But we just want to thank everybody for it's been amazing, yeah. jumping in with that. And we know that, um, you know, I know for me that it's easy for, to forget during this time and, and kind of hold back um, to ensure that I have some financial security in place. But um, we just want to encourage you to keep up your giving to the church. Um, it's important we're in the middle of lease negotiations and trying to figure out space and things like that. And so we're, we want to continue to have momentum moving forward as a church, wherever God um, might call us and however God might call us. And it's important that we have financial resources to do that. So yeah. um, certainly no obligation to give. We don't, we, we've said it's from up front on Sundays that you know you shouldn't you shouldn't give just because you think it's something that you should do but really we believe giving is an act of worship so just like we sing or just like we open our Bible and read God's Word um, we believe that giving is an act of worship and so that's what it should be for you um, even if even though we're not in the building um, on Sunday so just continue to seek God on that and and um, what he would have you do and pray about it so um, yeah, but that's good. it really in terms of announcements I know we've got a special guest yeah we do have coming a special up, guest as coming we do up on every Sunday so. yeah yeah Danny Strickland uh, some of you don't know uh, Danny but uh, just to give him a to give you a little preview Danny I've been doing ministry with Danny I had almost 15 years um, I, when he, since he was uh, 20. 21 years old, yeah. um, and he's one of the funniest people on the planet. Um, we have no idea what's getting ready to happen, um, but he, uh, his relationship with God has always been an inspiration to me. He's a Pied Piper of students. Like he, there's something special about the way that they, they will follow. If they, he hasn't been to students you know, for a couple of years, and then he kind of jumps back in if he's been working or whatever, it's, it's an instantaneous connection. And if things are going south in any student <laughs> gathering, I can just whisper something in Danny's ear like, hey, man, 
do something. <laughs> and things change. It's like the temperature in the room changes. He just has a, a magical way, a God-given gift with, uh, with students and uh, bringing the gospel. So, Well, I even think about like the mission trip that we took together years ago to Guatemala. Oh I mean, he was a magnet in the community. Like, all of the kids, he was like the Pied Piper. They the called community. him Loco the... Rubio, yeah. Crazy Blondie, <laughs> because he was insane. Yes. But we can't wait. Don't miss it. Um, we'll be right back. Welcome back. There's um, there's Danny in in all his glory. So uh, we right. had a little bit of technical difficulty there. So now that we're uh, set up, you're looking good on the screen there, bud. You know these high definition cameras. <laughs> I, I promise, I look better in person. So. You're looking well, good. It, thank you. It's uh, it's good. thanks for joining us today, Danny. Most most folks in our church, I'm sure, recognize your face if they haven't had a conversation with you. Um, you're going to be famous, though, moving forward. People want to know all about the legend that is Dude. Danny Strickland. Oh, yeah. 
Strictly Cabinets is going to go through the roof. <laughs> so Dan, I'll be hiring soon. <laughs> yes, a growing small business, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second as a small business owner. But first, just tell us, how are things going in the Strickland household? Yeah, you, got a, you have a whole time? family, a wonderful, beautiful wife mm -hmm. who we, we miss. Yeah, so tell us, uh, tell us your kids' ages. Um, we know Emily's your wife. Most people know her, but um, kids' ages. And then tell us a little bit about how things have been going during uh, quarantine 2020. Sure. So we've got we've got three. We've got Noah, Luke, and Isabel. Uh, Noah is eight. Uh, Luke is six, and Isabel is four. And so we've we've started the homeschool thing about. Uh, I mean, it's almost been two months now, I think. And yeah. that that hasn't been hard for me because I haven't been doing any of it. But Emily's been complaining about it quite a bit. <laughs> I always tell her it's like it's, it's easy. But I know I'm, I'm joking. She's doing a great job. The first week was the hardest, I think, like with most of us, figuring out the Duval County um, online system. But now it's been going great, and we're we're in the rhythm of it. And she does a great job of getting their schoolwork ready the night before, and and being on top of those boogers to get them to do their schoolwork. <laughs> so whoop so, them into shape, right? That's right. That's right. <laughs> We don't spare the rod in this house. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> we got two rods. Oh, goodness gracious. Oh, I wasn't well, made for live TV, guys. <laughs> uh, you're, you're doing great. You know, I, you're, a, you're a tradesman now. You're a craftsman. You're a carpenter, yep. uh, much like Jesus. Um, 32. And, yeah, 33 and a carpenter. You better That's watch right. out. You better That's keep right. your head low. <laughs> um, um, but it, your it, your history in terms of like your faith and, and your journey of becoming a carpenter is crazy. I mean, I, like I said, I've I've known you uh, since you were 20, 21 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, back we were talking early, the white Corolla days. That's um, right. Um, white and people, what, so one thing people don't know about Danny too is he is a he was a wrestler, but not a wrestler. That's the way we say it in the South. Mm -hmm. um, but really good. And I loved it that Danny he would. Uh, uh, sometimes challenge people that thought they were like jacked and could, you know, they're like, you know, I can wrestle. And Danny go, oh, you can wrestle. That's great. I mean, he, Danny won. Like he was, he, you, where did you wrestle at Lee? Lee High School? Lee General. Very proud Lehigh graduate. That's right. Um, and he would whoop them. Like a guy's bigger than yeah. him. It was always great. The John Walker, I won't even talk about it. I remember. It's like in a prison, you know, you got to pick the biggest person to take down and you immediately get respect. <laughs> okay so back strictly cabinets yep you are uh, you know what, what's it like in this season for you like you've got a business to run small business owner yeah well it's it's funny because in construction you know everybody's still been working and i think a lot of people in construction still remember the 2008 crash and people are avoiding any kind of possibility of uh of an economic uh, impact in construction. So I've, I've been really busy, um, surprisingly, through the whole thing. But I know a lot of people that, you know, I meet that work for bigger companies, their hours are getting reduced. And um, but so for me, I've just been more of take everything that comes my way and keeping pretty busy during that's this good. whole thing. Mm -hmm. So it's a, been fortunate, but that's yeah. awesome. It's great. It's good to stay busy during this time. Heck Keeps yeah. you out of the house from having to homeschool too. So that's right. Uh, so that's there right. You go. Yeah. Um, so tell us a little bit about your journey, uh, your faith journey, and how you came to Jesus, and 
a um, little bit about maybe your family background too. So, sure. So, like, I didn't, I, I didn't really grow up in a Christian home. I mean, we went to church sometimes, and and really, when my parents got divorced, um, we really didn't have a like a stable home life. Uh, my mom kind of had to take on both roles as as provider and you know and parent, and so we were very individualistic, and and there was really just wasn't a whole bunch of support, and so uh, immediately the appeal to for church was, I remember when I first, you know, I went a couple times and, and saw all these families and, and, and seeing like sort of stability and support. And I remember thinking like, yeah, I, that's what I want in, in my life. You know, I want, I want that. So, you know, like that's the direction I want my life to go. And, and that was sort of always the attraction to church was the idea of, of, you know, sort of being, having respect or, or, or having sort of, I don't know, just being established, I guess. And, but, but that was really it though. You know, like that was where if I want to be a good person in society, if I want to have a nice family, I go to church. And, and it really wasn't until I was 19, I went to a, uh, a church and, and I, I mean, no other way to say it. I was, I was born again. And, um, and just in, in one instance, you know, there was a heart change. It was less about like it was less about how like you know for me it was about sort of escaping my broken home and and sort of like having a sense of a, of of belonging but when i was 19 and i went to a service um and when i was when jesus came into my like jesus transformed my life and my values and and that started my journey and you know and along the way i found i went to river city and and then i met this man named Derek who corrected a lot of bad theology. <laughs> we had some wild conversations and yes, uh, we did. I had some wild views coming out of like a, a little bit of a Pentecostal influence. And, uh, but uh, yeah, that's, that's really it. I mean, I, I, when I was 19, you know, Jesus completely transformed my life. And, and, and that was where like Jesus was my stability and, and, um, yeah, I mean that's really. There's yeah. a lot more to say, but we only have oh, so much time. Awesome. <laughs> no, that's great. You know, when yeah. it comes to uh, like this season, uh, I know you and I have talked about this, and mm-hmm. you you don't do well with change. Anytime I would change something in ministry, um, or yeah. like even when we moved into this building, it's so much better than when we were. I hate like, it. I hate, yeah. I mean, you just <laughs> talk. To, talk I hated it bit. when you moved to the beach. I hated it when you. Uh, <laughs> You know, when you start at Ocean City, every time my routine gets changed, I get frustrated. I was I was born like two several generations too late. I, I was I was like work the same job forever. I don't throw anything away. I collect coupons, and that is very true of people. Yeah. It is so true. So, how about this season in terms of like the anxiety of change and just kind of mm-hmm. what that's like? You just even your own personal views and kind of how you've been dealing with. Uh, some of that, because that's, I mean, people are definitely in that zone. Sure. Well, everyone, like everyone in my city group knows, shout out to Tripoletti's. Uh, I have, I, I have anxiety and, and everyone, everyone sort of, a lot of people have it right now, but, and it's just different for everyone. But for me, it's economic being the, you know, I'm the provider of our house 
You know, it's easy for me to justify getting worried and saying yes to every job and booking up my schedule because you don't know where the future is going to be. Mm-hmm. And and I, I know that and I've really come to realize that it's wrong as a Christian to let anxiety rule your life. And in fact, for me, it's selfish because I let it's impossible for I know I can speak for myself. I know that when I spend all of my mental energy worrying about my future, my provisions, it paralyzes me to help others or, or be mindful of other people and, 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 and who, who have wor- in worse uh, situations. You know, like we're Americans, you know, we, we, you know, we're worried about this, but we're still pretty well off. And, and so for me, you know, getting involved in other people's lives and problems tampers down my anxiety and, and redirects, you know, and, and it's the way it, it, it should be, you know. And, That's and such so. a great point. Yeah. And it's so true too. I mean, you know, think about even God's word saying, you know, not only to look to your own, uh, you know, but, but to look to the, um, look to others and, you know, putting others before yourself is such a, you know, value that we see come out in the Bible. So, yeah. and I think that that's where we find energy in life. It's really cool to hear you say that because I know it's something I've even experienced too. Like if I just stop focusing on me and start thinking about other people and digging into their stuff and helping them with their stuff, then I start to find life again. So, yeah. yeah. Like one thing I'll say real quick, I know, I know you got to get back to your, your schedule is that uh, it's, it's been hard with the kids being trapped inside and going nuts, but I, me and Emily talk about it all the time. A lot of y'all don't know this, but Rob and Shelly Whitmire have been stuck in a house with Leo for two months now. <laughs> two months. And just keep them in your prayers. <laughs> we haven't heard from If we- you've been in youth ministry, that you would understand that joke. Um, Leo, just, and he, Leo, What's up, Leo? Leo we, we love you, Leo. <laughs> Um, he loves the shout out right now. Leo's just gotten more famous than he already is. So, um, Danny, it's so great what you do with students. I've seen you in the room with students and there's just, there's something special about how you can just carry the energy in the room and then all of a sudden put the spotlight on Jesus. Like you just, you know, you bring excitement, you bring fun, but then, you know, you bring a point home. And so just even thinking about the students in our church, I mean, they're in a really interesting time too, where they've been pulled away from a lot of their connections with school and they're trying to do school at home. I mean, what would be something that you would say collectively to the students right now about, about all that's going on right now? Hmm, that wasn't on my list of questions. <laughs> yeah, we like to throw it to you. No. You'll do great. No, your zone. I, uh, I think um, what I would say is I think with, with younger people specifically, it's hard because you're not really at risk and you feel like you're losing a lot of things and you're a lot of people like we've had, we have high school students who weren't able to walk and, you know, yeah. and, and you're missing out on some life experience for some people. It's not as important, but for some people, you know, high, graduating high school is a big achievement and, yeah. and they put a lot of work into it. And the only thing I would say is just, just to be respectful and honoring there are like keeping in mind the, there's people that could get this and, and not make it, you know, and although we all have to, you know, like you have to sacrifice even though you're low risk, but there are people who are really worried about this thing. Mm-hmm. And there's people yeah. that, you know, could at our church, there's people that if they got this thing, they, they could probably die. And so, yeah. 
you know, just keeping in mind other people's circumstances. Yeah. So. Yeah. The idea of making sacrifices that we may not necessarily want to make mm -hmm. or, you know, if we were given the choice, you know, would make so that others might live. I mean, that's, that's really, you know, what we're talking about, but awesome. um, it's been tough on, on, on some of our students. We think about those that are graduating this year and, you know, we would be in the season of celebrating that and other students moving up into other levels of school. And so, um, but we just, we really appreciate what you do with students and just wanted to give you an opportunity to kind of share into, into their world. I know some of them are listening to the live stream here on Sunday. So I know they're Shout out to Ocean City students. Yeah. That's right. Uh, loved it. I Danny. promised Emily I wouldn't mention her in the whole thing. So I did pretty good. It's awesome. <laughs> Well, man, this was, this was great, man. I if I could I could talk to you for a while. One of the, I mean, if you're if you're a parent and you you want to know um, how to lead your shepherd your kids, I mean, if you meet the Strickland kids, I mean, you're gonna see some crazy because they are boy oh, yes. boy boy and a crazy girl Izzy, she's amazing. Um, but they know the Bible, and you have breathed life into those kids. They know the gospel. They know they know. I mean, we, I mean, we're gonna be a little bit in Romans 10 and some in Acts chapter five. They know it. They could probably quote it to me because you breathe that into mm -hmm. them. It's one of the things that I, I look at my own life and how I parent, and I'm like, man, uh, this is you are a great example, you and Emily both, of breathing life yeah. into your kids. They know, like you're, you've taken the opportunity to share the gospel with your children, um, and they're going to be gospel spreaders, and they already are. Um, the stories that um, I hear from Emily, amazing. But I just wanted to say thank you for being a light in our church and representing that as a father and as a family in the way that you lead your kids. Uh, and we'd love to having you on. Um, Thanks. Have a good rest of your Sunday. I will. I will. See you, Danny. Thanks. See you guys. See ya. Do I awesome. We'll be right back. And uh, don't go away. It is a, uh, this is a, 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 just a challenging um, message and, and an exciting one uh, in the life of the church. So uh, don't miss it. We'll be right back.
All right, we're back. Man, how amazing was that? I mean, I, I, we could tell uh, Danny Strickland stories all day long. Um, uh, as, as much as he makes fun of himself and self-deprecates, um, he is a, um, one of the most interesting people to talk to. He knows a ton of theology, um, but he is so giving. Uh, when I first met him, he worked uh, at a place called the DLC um, uh, with um, teenage disabled um, um, kids. And it was just, I mean, he, just the way that he treats human beings and the way that he, everybody doesn't have any level of who you are, whether you're the, the wealthiest person, the poorest person, uh, somebody with a disability or somebody that's, you know, the best athlete in the world. He treats everybody the same. Um, and it's, a, it's also a beautiful picture of the gospel. So I uh, love that. Love that interview. I love some of the things that were said in it. But if you got your Bible, turn me to Acts chapter 5. That is where we're going to be. Uh, I am, I'm excited uh, about today uh, just in terms of where we are as a church and what's possible for us. And as we dig into this, you know, I was thinking about where we're headed in Acts chapter 5 and uh, what we see displayed by uh, the people of God in the book of Acts and kind of where, you know, what the engine was in the beginning of it. And when, you know, I was thinking of this idea of uh, evangelism. And when I was growing up, I, I went to a, a Christian school for um, 15 years. And there was some great things about that uh, that I loved. Um, now that I look back, I, I've sometimes said some negative things about, yeah, I just kind of learned religion. I never really met Jesus, but most of that was my fault. But I did, I learned the Bible in that school. One of the reasons is because we had chapel services on Mondays. Now, you would think you would hate chapel service every Monday, but we loved it um, at our school. Now, they, they were not exciting. I'll just say that. Uh, and for those of you that get, like, go to Christian, like if you're a student and you go to a Christian school, love your Christian school. It's, it's amazing to be there, and you get to go to Bible school. Like you get to go to Bible class every day, and you might think that's lame, uh, but when you, if you have aspirations to be in ministry, it will change your life. But Monday morning chapel was amazing, and not because of uh, the things that you would think. Um, and they always, like every you know, fourth week, maybe eighth week, there would be an evangelist that would come. But we love chapel for a few reasons. One, when you were in middle school in that awkward phase where you were like, I, I think girls are gross, but I kind of, I don't know why my heart beats and I feel funny when they come around. Um, you in your mind, you wouldn't tell your buddies this, but you would situate yourself because in normal classrooms are set up naturally for social distancing, right? You can't be that close to the girl next to you. But in chapel, they had something called pews, which there was no separation. So you would get in line behind somebody that just, you know, I don't even know why I want to get right behind her, but that's what, that's what I'm going to do. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to get right behind her. And then you sit down and you're like, there's no, you couldn't even slip a sheet of paper between the two of you. And you're just like, this is amazing. And it's, you know, awkward middle school. And then they might sing a hymn, you know, and everybody would join hands across the aisle and you would be strategic and get right across from that girl because you were going to join hands and go, whoo, done this. But we love chapel services for many reasons. Every once in a while, some people would skip. I don't know who those people would be, but they would. I just, I was not one of those people. Just kidding. I did skip sometimes. But there, there would be, uh, and sometimes they had special music. Y'all remember, uh, my people in here, I know I got some good Baptists in here. Special music. Special music is uh, from the devil. Um, and I don't know why people do it. I'm kidding. Some of you probably had amazing people that did special music. But we at chapel service, it was students. And again, I know you can have talented students, but it was awful. I mean, it was just absolutely terrible. Um, every once in a while it was good, and you'd sing the hymn, and you could hold the hand of the girl next to you, and that was fun. But otherwise, it was terrible. So we would have these evangelists that would come, the quote-unquote evangelist. 
And that's the way that you kind of thought about it. Like, this is the guy that brings the message of Jesus. And they were creative. They had these amazing stories. They were, you know, I was in the Vietnam War, and this tragic thing happened to me. But God saved me and rescued me. These miracles happened, and I met Jesus. Or you'd have these stories. And then it would be, you know, that time at the end where they would talk about sin. But you should talk about sin. And there would be this moment where you as a teenager would be like, I did, I was bad, I was naughty last weekend. I need to give my life to Jesus for the 18th time in chapel service. And that was kind of what you did. But my thought growing up was the evangelist was the evangelist. The preacher was the preacher. The one that was bringing the good news of Jesus was the people up front, was this one guy that came around every eight weeks. And that's who the evangelist was. And then um, church people, they, they did church things. They went to church on a regular basis. And to be a good Christian, you went to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night, and you did afterglow. I had to drop some afterglow because I know some people went to afterglow. But that was what church people did. They did church people things. Evangelists and then churchgoers doing church things. And I just want to say this as clearly as I can because we're in the book of Acts. That you are, everybody that's on the other side of that stream, if you are a follower of Jesus, you are an evangelist. Because the simplicity of what an evangelist is, is somebody that carries, is a good news carrier. That is what an evangelist is. And when you look at the book of Acts... The engine of the book of Acts, where it all starts, you see Matthew 28, the Great Commission, and you see Acts chapter 1, where Jesus says, this is who you're going to be as people. Now that you've experienced me, I'm not, it's not going to end there. You're not going to get this, this, for freedom Christ set you free. You don't want to go back to slavery, but you also don't want to go back to apathy. So he says, I'm going to, not only am I inviting you to, into the unending ocean of grace, I'm giving you this message of grace to take to the world. And he said in Matthew 28, and he says it in Acts chapter 1, that you're going to take this gospel to your friends, to your family, to your extended family, to the people around you, to the city around you, and to the world. Every single way. It wasn't just the church people, the people in, in uh, vocational ministry. It wasn't the preachers, the worship leaders, the youth pastors, the people that do church work. It was everybody that, that were evangelists. And again, the simplicity of being evangelist is somebody that carries good news. And here's the, here's the good news about being good news carriers. And that's what we're going to talk about for much of today is the good news about being a good news carrier is that people are dying for good news, especially right now. Like people are literally dying for good news. You know, I read an article uh, this past week and you probably, this is how fast news spreads. I mean, I don't know how long it took people to know that Oxford was the leading university and Penner, uh, the, the Penner organization were the ones that were developing like the fastest to develop a vaccine or got something on the table. Like most people, most of you that are watching this, you already know that because news travels fast, that this vaccine has great, great promises. There's already human trials. They said if things go well, that September, and we all thought it was going to be way later than that, that September, they could have a, something to distribute to people that will vaccinate the 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 COVID-19 virus. And I, I love what this one worker said. Um, she was just a, a volunteer in the lab. She wasn't a scientist or anybody. And one of the articles I read, she says, if this works, how exciting for me to play a small part in bringing such good news to the world. Because that would be good news. I mean, if you had, the, if you had in your garage the vaccine to the, the COVID-19, you know, this coronavirus, certainly you would want to spread it. And for us as the church, I... I we're in this wait, like Dave, Dave Sarmack said last week, we're in this season of waiting. Just like the disciples were, they were in the upper room, they didn't know what was coming, but there was this, this rumbling underneath, this shaking. And I feel like it's like, I don't know if you've ever seen that illustration. I'm, I did youth ministry for years uh, it, with Mentos and 
is it Diet Coke? Is it, just, is it Diet Coke? Yeah. Mentos and Diet Coke, you put them on a little string and you drop them in the... Do it Sunday afternoon. Your parents will love it. If you're watching the stream, kids, to make them go get some Diet Coke and some Mentos. It'll shoot, I mean, 30 feet in the air. I mean, it's pretty amazing. I feel like that's God's doing something like that with the church and he's getting ready to drop the Mentos in. And he's got us in the book of Acts for a reason. And he's got us in this place for a reason. I feel like there's going to be something where all of a sudden something's going to turn and we will be willing to risk, we will be willing to trust, and we will be willing to share the gospel. So if you got your Bible, turn with me to Acts chapter 5, because this is amazing. This is like, I mean, when you talk about the, the God-breathed scripture and, and what you'll read here in, in terms of inspiration and getting us on track as the church, because we never want to be a church that settles. And we, we, I say this all the time. We don't want to be settlers. We want to be pioneers. God brought us here in this place to plant a church, to be pioneers, to never stop inviting anyone and everyone into the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus. And that's not something that we just made up. It's what we see laid out in Scripture. So if you got your Bible, just to paraphrase and kind of get you into where we're going to start. We're going to start in, in, uh, in verse 29. Um, and I know some of you want me to cover Ananias and Sapphira because you're like, that is a crazy controversial passage. And we, you know, if you've been to OCC, we, we, most, we love to dig into those. We don't like to skip them. I mean, it's two people that drop dead because they, they hold back some giving. Um, so, hey, for those of you that are you know, wondering if you should sign up online, uh, just kidding. I'm so kidding. But I'm going to cover that this week in the blog. So Wednesday night, you're going to talk about something a little bit crazy. We're going to dig in to, to some theology about Ananias and Sapphira. But leading up to this, this part that we're in, in in 29, Peter and John are at it again. The people of God are moving forward. They're at it again. They're in Solomon's colonnade, which is like the, it's on the east side of uh, Solomon's temple. And it's a very public place. And they're healing people. People are the followers of Jesus. I mean, just it's the numbers are growing and growing and growing and growing. By the end of this passage, some co people in commentary say more than 25,000 people had now become followers of Jesus. So... All kinds of people. And remember, they were told not to preach in the name of Jesus. And of course, that's what they're doing. And this time, everybody that's coming is getting healed. Like people are coming in droves finding out, hey, if you're sick, if you've got leprosy, if you've got something wrong with you, these, you, go, you get in Peter's shadow and you'll get healed. And people were literally lining people up just to get caught in the edge of Peter's shadow. It says that many came and everyone was healed. You could imagine the pandemonium that was taking place. So again... The Sanhedrin, which is like the, the, the religious political party um, in, in uh, the, the Jewish world, they were furious because they've said this over and over again. Stop doing this. Stop preaching in the name of Jesus. And they keep going back into the temple courts and preaching in the name of Jesus. So they arrest them again and they put them in jail. But this time, in the middle of the night, an angel comes and busts them out of jail. I love it. It is amazing. But I love that in this, the, the angel busts them out of jail, but he sets them free, but that's not the end of the story. He sets them free. He says, now go back and preach the good news. Like, and I just thought just even there, just to pause and say, you know, we, we've been set free as the church. We are redeemed, but we were redeemed for a purpose. And we've got this amazing purpose. And these guys were lit on fire. They couldn't wait to go back and continue preaching the good news. So they go back. And in the morning, the religious leaders roll back in. And they're like, okay, go get these two. We've got to question them again. And it's like Groundhog Day for them as well. And they're, they're, they, they go there and they're not there. And the, the gates are closed. The guards are still there. And they're looking behind them like, I guess they aren't here. And they're like, what in the world happened? And then a guy comes running and he says, hey... I know you guys aren't going to be happy about this, but they're back at it again. 
they're in the temple. And they're like, how in the world did this happen? And they're preaching the good news. People are getting healed. More are being added to their numbers. And then they go grab them. Now this time they got to be careful because the crowd's gotten really big. So they quietly grab them and bring them before the Sanhedrin. It says in Scripture that they were worried at this point that they were going to get stoned. They looked around and said, this is a movement. This is a revolution that's happening. We better be careful. So they come in and they bring them in and they're going to quit. They're, they're furious. It says they were jealous because something was happening and they were seeing their power getting taken away from them and furious. And so it says Peter and John, and they, they asked them, they said, why are you doing this again? We told you. Why are, why are you continuing to do this? And the response, so listen to the repetitiveness of this in comparison to where we've been. It's like rewind and play. Because these guys had the same story. Peter and the other apostle replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors, listen, raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. This is bold. There was no press secretary really in the mix telling them not to tweet that out. I mean, they were just, I mean, there was boldness there. There was no, hey, let's, we should have a little bit of a more seeker-sensitive message um, because people that, I don't know, not everybody's right into it right now. They didn't care. Like you are the ones that killed him by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to his own right hand as the prince and savior that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. Now that was always a, that, that you talk about would inflame them. Anytime they would say, Forgiving sins, because that was their job. That the, the, the high priest and the Sanhedrin, they were in charge. This is how they had gotten wealthy of being the ones that organized the temple system. And now these guys are coming along going, no, Jesus forgives sins. This gospel that we're talking about is, is the foundation of forgiveness of sins. It says, we are witnesses of these things. So, the whole, so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey him. And when they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put him to death. Now, I just a couple points just even as we're right here before we get into the three main points. These guys, their story never changed. Like, I think we worry about that as, as people that carry the good news. Like, oh, we've got to be creative. I've got to figure out how to do this. What are they going to say? They had a very simple story. The other thing is it was risky. And they did experience rejection. Like, not everybody. There was a lot of people that were going, oh, my goodness, this is amazing. But there was a lot of people that not only were benign and walked away, but that wanted to kill them. It was risky for them. But for them, no politics involved. They didn't have to soften anything. They went in with the true and good and simple message of Jesus. Now, so after all of this, these guys were furious, wanted to put him to death. And they're just standing there after they dropped the, the, this bomb again and said, hey, you killed him, but he was raised from the dead. And salvation is possible for not just for this elite few, but for all of these people that you said had no shot with God. And these people were furious. And so a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honored by all the people. Now I'll just stop there at the comma. You'll find out later that he was the one that taught the Apostle Paul. And we, if you know anything about the Apostle Paul, he was a brainiac, like he was the man. So this guy was well respected amongst the Sanhedrin and everybody else. Peter and John respected this guy. So he stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered the men be put outside. He's like, we got same story. Got to put these dudes out again. You guys go outside. We got to talk. Put, put them outside. And then he addressed the Sanhedrin. He said, men of Israel, consider carefully what you intend to do with these men. Listen to me. Some time ago, we had a guy named Thaddeus claiming, they should have called him Teddy. I guess it's short for that. You know, just Teddy. We had a guy named Teddy 
Nobody like Teddy's going to make it. He was claiming to be somebody, and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, and his followers were dispersed, and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed, and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in this present case, I advise you. Listen, there's exclamations. Leave these guys alone. Leave these men. Don't mess with them anymore. Let them go. And then he says this, and I love this. He says, for if their purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourselves fighting against God. Now, Gamaliel knew. He knew something was happening at this point. Like He, he knew that the, 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 the followers of Jesus had grown into the 20,000s. So he's thinking, this is a little different than Thaddeus. This is, this is bigger than Teddy's movement. I mean, we got something different going on here. But he knows that he can't immediately, he's political too, he can't immediately put his name in with this whole Jesus following thing. And he's still trying to figure it out, kind of like Nicodemus was. It's funny, in secular history it says that Gamaliel and Nicodemus were both baptized in the same, like within, the, within a couple of days of each other into the Christian faith. Don't know if that's true, because you, you've got, but that's, if you go look in, in some of the, the articles, it's not in the Bible, but that they eventually became Christians. But it continues in this passage. It says, his speech, Gamaliel's speech, persuaded these guys. So they called the apostles in. They didn't persuade them that much because they called them in and they gave them a good beating. Uh, they called the apostles and he flogged them and then ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus. Please, don't do this anymore. And he let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin, listen, rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Could you imagine getting flogged and then going, ha, 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 woo, this is amazing. We have been beaten for the glory of God. But these guys were so full of the power of the Holy Spirit. They were, they were like, we saw Jesus suffer. And to be even just get a grain of sand of that suffering and be able to share that, share the sufferings of Christ, we are pretty amped up about carrying the name of Jesus. And this is, this is what I love. And this, if I could stop the sermon right here, because this is the charge of the church. Day after day, the, in, day after day, in the temple courts, from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. They never stopped. It never ended. They never stopped proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And as a church, I don't care. Like People have a lot of ideas. There's so many books written. I mean, as, as somebody that planted a church and was nervous and likes to do a lot of research, you could find a lot of stuff on how to do this the right way. How, to, how do you build the church? How do you, you know, get organizational stuff together? How do you get all the right people? How do you get people in ministry positions? How do you put church programs together? How do you make sure that everybody's kind of in the positions they need to be? How do you receive people into the church? How do you do first impressions? How do you do student ministry? How do you do all this stuff? All of that pales in comparison to the mission that God has for the church. And it's the, it's the drum that we always need to bang, that we, ne we, we should never stop. We can, we can mess all of that other stuff up. But if we get distracted by all that other stuff, and we miss that we are not supposed to stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah, we've missed it as the church. So the question is, what does that have to do with you? In your house, going from house to house, being in houses, being in the places that you're in right now. Because every time you leave church, whether you're attending church or whether it's a viral pandemic, that's where you end up a large portion of your day, at work and at home. 
How, how are we carrying the name of Jesus? And I just want to give you some good news for the good news carriers. Three points about the good news for the good news carriers. The first one is very easy, and we don't even have to spend that long here, is the good news is really good news. Like the good news that you're carrying, it is the best news on the planet. Like if you had the COVID-19 cure in your garage, you would share it. Like that would be a, an amazing thing. I mean, the world would change. But what you have in your chest as a follower of Jesus, it is the end of death. It is the overcoming of death. Everybody on planet earth is headed towards the grave and you have eternal life. John 3.16 you know, God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whosoever believes in him, what? Will not perish, won't die, but have everlasting life. The simple message of the gospel. And you have it. We have amazing news. What I think about this, I, was, I wrote this just note in here. Like right now, in this part of where we are in the word of God, somebody's sitting at home and you could become a Christian because it's that simple. Life is complicated. If church people tell you, life is simple, just love Jesus. Life is very complicated. There's, I mean, the, the problems and the, the, the speed of life is so complex, but the gospel is not complex. It is a simple story. And I want you to listen because somebody could give their life to Jesus right now. In Romans 10, starting in verse 9, it says, listen to this. If you declare with your mouth, Jesus is Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. No, no complexity there. It is so simple. We, 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 I think in church world, in religious world, in the world in general, we make it so complex. But I love what, what Peter and John are doing in the temple. Their story doesn't change. There's no creative way of presenting it to everybody. They're just coming with the straight news. They're like, hey, if you believe this, if you believe that death has been overcome, that should be enough. The grave is overcome. That should be enough. It goes on, it says, for it is with your heart that you believe and you are justified. And it's with your mouth that you profess and profess your faith and you are saved. It's that simple. It's not. People miss this. It's not growing up in a church family, always being in church. I attend church. You know, I wanted to bolt on some church to my life. I signed a card when I was seven. Deacon Bob, let me sign a card. You, you are not justified by signing a card. Have you ever gotten on your knees before God? And, and some of your translations don't say profess. It's confess with your heart and confessed that he is Lord, which means he is Lord and you're not, which means he's the boss and you're not, which means your life is no longer your own. I think so many times we say a prayer, we write something on a card, and then we go as the captain of our lives and live the rest of our lives, sprinkling a little Jesus into the framework. And I would say, hey, I wouldn't be banking on that as your salvation. Have you humbled yourself before God? Have you, have you looked up and said, I believe that all your approval matters more than the approval of man? Everything that you bring, I believe you died on the cross for my sins. I believe I, my, my life, I was made by and for you. And that's it. Have you done that? I mean, that is, that is a challenge, but it's so simple because you could give your life to Jesus right now in this moment. Right now, it could happen. So the good news that you carry is really good news. Sins past, present, future annihilated by the cross. That's scandalous. That is scandalous. People don't even want to, I mean... The Pharisees hated that idea, but people now are like, yeah, but, you know, since past, present, future, can I just run around and sin and do a bunch of stuff? It's, it's a little bit more complicated than that. No, it is finished. The words of Jesus was definitive. When we sing Jesus paid it all, he paid it all. 
It wasn't, I do this and I got to do a bunch of stuff. It is not church activities that save you. It is the gospel of Jesus Christ. It is belief. It's confessing. It's surrender before the king of kings. Number two, you were wired to bring good news. Not only do you have really good news as good news carriers. The good news you're carrying is really good news. You were wired. As human beings, you were wired to carry good news. It's what we do. You are all evangelists. Every single one of you is an evangelist. You evangelize things. It's interesting. I think it's been almost 20 years now. Anybody read Tipping Point? Malcolm Gladwell? Years ago, he, he talked about the word of mouth movement. That to, Even today, you can go read marketing books from 2019 or 2020. They're going to tell you word of mouth is king. Malcolm Gladwell would say the way that things virally... He, he used the term going viral before social media was really in the mix. He said this thing went viral. He, he talked about it in the sense of... Viral pandemics, if you read the book. He's like, things spread. He goes, it's interesting. There'll be a product, and we didn't even know why it exploded. It started in New York City, and it spread out from here to here to here. And it went from person to person to person to person to person. And people study those things because they want to know, how in the world do I get my product out there? He said, the power of the right product and word of mouth, nothing will ever trump it. I don't care if it's a super... What the Super Bowl people are trying to do when they sell those commercials, you're like, well, what about commercials? Why do people spend millions of dollars? It's to get it in the mouths of the people and then people to talk about it. Because it's not just me talking about the, the Budweiser commercial. It's me talking with my friends the day after the Super Bowl about it. And it's, it is by far the way that things get spread. I mean, you talk to people that surf. I mean, it's annoying. Because if you've experienced something that you love and you've gotten stoked on it, you'll talk about it. I mean, it's, it's annoying to all the people that don't surf, but they'll still talk to you about it, and they'll be around with other people like, hey, did you, did you surf today? I surfed today. Hey, man, low tide was pretty good. I don't know what was happening. I think I might have missed the better part, though. You stayed for mid-tide. Was that good? I was trying to get in there. I, did you go to the pier, the poles, poles, pier? I don't know which, which place you went. There's a bunch of kooks out there, wasn't it? I mean, it goes on and on and on, the chatter. And if there's a big swell coming up, shout out to Jack Wire. He is the, the stoke broker. Like, if you want to, like, he's going to bring the good news. Like, if there is a, a swell on the horizon for everybody to surf, all of a sudden, text streams are going to go, Brrr! it's going to blow up. There's going to be shots of, you know, radars and wind patterns and all kinds of stuff that you're going to get in your feed. Because you can't, you can't help, if you've experienced it, to spread the good news. That's the way that it happens. And then after it's all over, there's going to be what, what Jack Wire calls the rehash. we got to rehash this. That was such good news. We had so much fun. Let's talk about it. Let's have a little conversation about what we're doing. Let's rehash the rehash. Let's talk about what we're going to talk about because that was amazing. Human beings, we were wired as evangelists. It's the way that we, that, that we work. And we try to stop it. Like some people just like, but we can't help but carry the good news. We can't help it. It's too good. And Paul knew that this was the best strategy. He continues in Romans 10 to, to lay this out, to say, hey, this is the way that it's going to happen. And if we stop talking to people about Jesus, the message will stop. So you can either jump in because God's not stop. He, he, it's not, not going to stop God. But if you're going you're gonna to be in the flow with Jesus, which he's called you into it, he says, listen, he, says, he, he knew this was the strategy. Verse 14, he says, how then can they, your friends, your family, extended family, the people around you, the people at work, how can they call on the one they have not believed in? And how can they believe in the one whom they have not heard? And how can they hear without someone preaching to them? And how can anyone preach unless they are sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who bring 
good news. That's you and that's me. You know, uh, my father-in-law told me this story um, years ago about uh, non-Christian and uh, he had come back from the Vietnam War. He's between jobs. He's getting ready to go to crop dusting school. And he worked at a, uh, a carnival up in uh, the Northeast. And he worked with this guy. His name was Brian. Brian. Um, and guy was a Christian. Talked about Jesus a lot. And he, he would always get excited. when. The, and I think they, they cleaned the ferry boats that would come in and drop people off at the carnival. And they cleaned barnacles off the boat. It was not a glorious job. But Brian loved his job. Always had joy, just excited about life. And, and my father-in-law, a little more cynical, was like, dude, this is the worst thing ever. And that boat of people means I just I don't like people. And they're bringing a whole boat of them over here. What, why are you so excited? Um, and one day the boat was coming across, and he said, those people right there, they need the Son of God. And what's interesting at that moment, my father-in-law tells a story. He says, what was weird is right in that moment, a sunbeam shot through the cloud and shined on all the people. And he was like, and he said he had chill bumps. And very soon after that, he, uh, he, Brian invited him to a Bible study. And he, they separated the girls and guys. And he, they were weirded. And he's like, this is going to get weird. My wife's going over there. Candy's going to be upset because she's in there doing the thing. And then he was with the group of guys, and he gave his life to Jesus. And then he's thinking, oh, my goodness, I just gave my life to Jesus. My wife's probably going to freak out when I tell her. And then he talks to, to Candy, and she goes, hey, guess what? I gave my life to Jesus. And it's, it's how it works, just the, the reverberate. And Brian, Brian has no idea the impact of what it means to share the gospel. His life in working at that carnival, he, it was his mission field. It wasn't about going to church and figuring out how to get in the right position in the right place so that he could preach the gospel. He's like, I'm going to preach the gospel where I am. There's a boatload of people, and they all need to know that Jesus is the Savior of the world, and nothing else is so powerful. You know, the average church, I read this statistic a long time ago, spends 95% of their resources, people resources, um, time resources, and money resources on the well-being of believers. And it's not that we shouldn't. We should, we should spend and leverage resources for the well-being of believers, taking care of one another, instructing one another, lifting up one another up, correcting one another, taking care of one another. Absolutely. But 95% on the well-being of believers, another program, another prayer gathering, another worship gathering, another deal. And I might be shooting myself in the foot right here. But 5%, at least 5% on the table when it comes to carrying the good news. And I just thought, you know, I, and I've always had this in my mind when we planted Ocean City Church. Like, I don't want to be the church. And maybe, you know, people, I know we need theology training. I know we need Bible studies. I know we need, there's a lot of things that are great, but if the highest purpose is not to send people out, if it's to grow, just grow in knowledge, we've missed it. But if we're always leading people, I always ask that question when somebody's talking about a new ministry, a new worship gathering, a new prayer thing. I'm like, in what way are you going to tell me that we're leading, we're, we're, we're inviting people into the unending ocean of grace that comes through Jesus? Are, are, are we carrying the news of Jesus to the world? Because I know indirectly we can spend money, but I always want to know, is this about the gospel or is this about what, like satisfying people that are saying we need another thing? 95% on the well-being of believers and 5% on carrying the gospel. I've had people leave the church and I'm sitting down with people and this is probably the, the most common conversation. Um, you know, I, I think we should have more deep Bible studies. I, I, that's kind of why I, I think, you know, just this might not be my church because I need... I, and the other thing is I'm not being fed. Now, the next question I ask, and I used to be not so great in these situations, just in my transparency. I would get my fearing shirt. Um, 
but I just ask questions and, and, and gracefully, because sometimes, you know, this isn't the place for you. This, you know, the OCC, there's a reason there's lots of different churches. But um, the question I would ask people is, like, how long you know, like how long you been a believer? Like, what's your story? How long have you been a believer? And what's interesting is 99.9% of the time, those people have been believers for more than five years. And, and my thing is, is at what point is you being fed, are you going to feed people? Are you going to do what Jesus called Peter to do, who is totally incapable to feed my sheep? When are you going to pick up the baton and carry the good news? Because another program, another Bible study, another thing, another you know, gathering, another deal, we got to make sure that when we're doing those things, that there is one singular purpose, and it is to be a city on a hill, shining light, so that people would see what we're doing, but not for our own purpose to say, look at us, but that people would see and they would give glory to our Father in heaven, that people would become followers of Jesus. They would know where salvation is found. So that's two. So the good news is really good news. You were wired to carry it, people. You're all evangelists. I mean, think about essential oils. I mean, I, I, I don't know. Every, I, I heard that lavender, you can actually get to heaven if you smell lavender. Um, but people think essential oil is like it heals everything. I mean, you can carry essential oils to the world. You can certainly carry Jesus to the world. Number three, this is a, our last point today, is the news is unstoppable because God is unstoppable. And if you look at Matthew 16, this is Peter before he even understood and knew what was going on. Um, God told him, Blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. This was not revealed to you by flesh, by people, it was revealed to you by God, my Father in heaven. And I tell you that you are Peter, which means rock. And on this rock, I will build my church. And the gates of Hades will not overcome it. He told him even then, nothing will overcome the church. It won't over, this, this message will not stop. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. And whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. He's saying, I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. You get to be, you get the privilege of opening the door to the kingdom of God for people. And you're going to do it with me. This message, this news is unstoppable, not because you're unstoppable, but because God is in this. In every conversation that you have with people, and I'll, 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 I'll end here. With every conversation that you have with people, there's three people present. There's you, there's them, and there's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, guess what? He was, he was already talking to them before you started even talking to him. He was the one that actually brought you two together to have a conversation. He's there the whole time you're having the conversation with that person. And guess what? This is the, the coolest thing that we miss. He's going to go with them when they go. He's going to be in charge of their journey from there on out. And I think sometimes we have to, we have to, be, we have to be the ones that know. We have to be the ones that... That, you know, why I've, I've, I've preached the gospel so many times, I've never seen any conversions. You know, there's this uh, story that the, um, Ann and Joe told me about their friend, Corey. Corey went to college, wasn't a Christian or family. I think atheists, I don't know what, they, what their background was. But they, uh, what, y'all, y'all saying something? What's going on? We good? I didn't know if I was missing some information. Wrong name? No. We're all good? Um, so... She was not a Christian, became a Christian, um, beautiful story of, of just being converted and loving Jesus in college, started doing college ministry, um, but family was not believers. And she, she preached the gospel to her mom, who their parents weren't down with the fact that she had become a Christian. 
Um, and she didn't become a Christian. But after she preached the gospel to her mom, on, she, was on one, she was on a flight and somebody talked to her about Jesus. And guess what? She wasn't converted. And then she, she flew a lot. She was on another flight. And then somebody else talked to her about Jesus. And then she got on a third flight. The person that sat next to her, guess what? Talked to her about Jesus. And then again, fourth time, somebody sits next to her and says, Hey, where do you, do, do you, are you a church person? Do you go to church? And you know, what, what, what do you think about faith and Jesus? And she, she just freaked out. She goes, okay, wait. She goes, I, my daughter talked to me about Jesus. And I had no, I didn't think anything of it. I just thought this is crazy kookland. She goes, but you are the fourth person on an airplane sitting next to me that is telling me about Jesus. Yes, I want to hear about Jesus. And I, she became a believer and her family has now become believers. And I just want to say, I think sometimes we don't risk, we don't put ourselves in that position because we think no one's listening. But it's unstoppable because God is unstoppable. The Holy Spirit is moving. You plant little seeds and I'm telling you, the world will change. And I don't know where, what your story is and what, what, what's going on with you. If you're if you've just been a church person doing church things and you've never confessed with your mouth and believed in your heart, if you've never gotten before God and humbled yourself, I would say, man, this is the time. Maybe you think this is all crazy and kooky, but I'm the third person or the fourth person, or maybe they're coming. Maybe I'm the first, and I'm not going to know for 10 years. But God will be persistent in your life. And now is the time to wake up to the idea that Jesus saves and nothing else does. As a church, let's share our faith Take a risk when you sit with somebody. Not passively, but in that moment you know it's time to share your faith. Let's be that church that, that stops doing just church things and begins to never stop proclaiming that Jesus is the King of the world and the Savior of all things. Let's pray. God, we love you. We love who you are. We love that you are the author of everything that we experience this good. And God, I pray that you continually use what we experience, use the people around us to lead us back to you. And then God, just infuse us with the idea that this news is so good that by the power of your spirit, our eyes will be open to the idea that you've overcome death, that we'll realize that we are not these crumpled up little people with no confidence, but you wired us as human beings to be evangelists. And God, that, that we... Stand in faith, trusting you because you are an unstoppable God. And we love you and we worship you in Jesus' name. Amen. You guys have an amazing rest of your Sunday. Love and miss you guys. Definitely connect on Wednesday. If you don't set a date on the calendar, those resources, I know how it goes. Just dial in on Wednesday. Put it on your calendar. We're going to do this on Wednesday. Worship on Wednesday. Wow. Upside down, mom. All right, that's enough. You guys have a good Sunday.